Motivation and inspiration are powerful tools that change and influence perspectives, voices, and projects that shape the world. With all the negativity in the world, it can be hard to find those rare and beautiful stories that tell of inspired spiritual activism and individual healing journeys. Walk the path with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher, on the show Heart, Change, Consciousness, where we inspire listeners to take action towards a more just world. We'll hear from authors, change makers, influencers, activists, poets, filmmakers, and cultural workers who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. Heart Change Consciousness allows us to understand the world from different perspectives and highlights what is possible when we are fearless and open ourselves to our soul purpose and engage each other across boundaries. So let's self-heal and open the path to self-sovereignty. Heart Change Consciousness begins now. Hello all, I'm Dr. Trish DeRocher here with Emily Garrett today on Heart Change Consciousness. Thank you so much for being with us, Emily and listeners. So Emily is a seeker, a teacher, a practitioner, a yoga teacher trainer, business owner, mother, wife, friend, neighbor, and community member. Emily advocates for healing and presence through teaching yoga classes, mentoring humans, parenting children, and engaging in open-hearted, courageous conversations. Body wisdom and quest for knowledge are, and always have been, the two main drives in Emily's life. Through running her own business, raising two children, recreating a marriage that was falling apart, and teaching and training thousands of yoga students throughout her career, Emily has experienced what is truly necessary to integrate the spacious, blissed out post-yoga feeling with the messy truth of real life. And we all need that. Emily is a 500-hour advanced certified yoga teacher, certified pelvic floor yoga teacher, and a dedicated meditator in the Shambhala Buddhist tradition. She teaches workshops and classes on vinyasa yoga, yin and restorative yoga, and meditation. She also loves working one-on-one with practitioners to guide them toward activating their full potential. So I think of Emily as a teacher's teacher. Um, And on a more personal note, Emily was my very first yoga teacher um, when I was an undergrad student who was going to yoga classes at the college to help manage my anxiety during the semester. Um, And I still remember the first time Emily cued me into Warrior Two, and just the the power that I felt in my body. I didn't really know that my body could be a source of power um, or that I was allowed to take up space in it. Um, Emily's earthy, grounded energy was exactly what I needed to drop into my body and to realize that I had not been in my body. (laughs) Um, So Emily, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Trish. I'm happy to be here. Um, Emily, before we move on to talk all things pelvic floor, which is what we'll be doing today, I'm wondering if you can just share with listeners um, more about your practices um, and ways in which to connect with you and find out more about your work. 
Sure, yeah. Uh, I run a yoga studio that's based in Burlington, Vermont, where I teach yoga classes, yoga workshops, and intensives and trainings for yoga practitioners and also teachers. Um, and I also do one-on-one -on -one work with people, mentoring work, which I do uh, through the virtual platform. So my you know, websites are Laughing River Yoga, which is the yoga studio that I run, and Emily Garrett Yoga, which is where I do my mentoring practices. Awesome. So we are, we are going to get into talking about the pelvic floor today because this is um, a more recent love of Emily's that she's really like poured into. Um, but I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit about your journey, journeying, both personal and professional, um, that's really brought you to do this work um, and helped kind of set up for this passion that you feel around working with people um, on healing the pelvic floor? Sure, yeah, so thanks for asking. Um, the journey, it's sort of, it's not a linear journey. It's certainly a circular journey. Um, my, my first awareness of my pelvic floor was through yoga classes, learning about Mula Bandha and, and what that is. And then I worked for a long time with a teacher who would have us, um, put us in yoga poses and have us breathe into our pelvis for 15, 20, 25 minutes at a time. And I thought I had a pretty good understanding of the pelvic floor through my yoga practices, through knowing how to breathe into the pelvis and through being aware of Mula Bandha, which is this root lock that's often used and cued in yoga classes. Although many people really don't understand what it is or how to do it. Um, so, and then what happened? I, you know, time passed and I had two children and, um, after I had my second child, I was, uh, I birthed naturally my second child. I was having a lot of pain in my pelvic floor. Um, and so it was just one of those things where I was lying around on my bed feeling in pain and I reached down with my hand to feel where the pain was in my pelvic floor. And I realized that when I pressed on it, the pain went away. Mm. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, so this is muscular. You know, and in my head, I had already gone to what's wrong with me. You know, I, I had some tearing when I birthed the child. You know, I figured my body was was broken, and there was no way to repair it. Um, but when that happened, I remembered that a friend had told me about her friend who had gone to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, and that when she went to see the pelvic floor physical therapist, her friend. Uh, received internal massage, which is in through the vaginal uh, canal, massaging inside the, the region of the vaginal wall and all the muscles in there. There's many muscles. And that when her friend received it, she just started crying, like sobbing and didn't know why. And so as I was pressing and I felt the muscle release, I remembered that story. And I thought, okay, I'm going to call up a pelvic floor PT. Um, not to mention, actually, my midwife had been telling me to do that for a while and I had been ignoring her because um, I figured I already <laughs> knew everything about it because I'm such an advanced yoga practitioner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did. And I went in and I received um, internal massage. And the the woman was um, so present with me, so kind, full of compassion. And she said, you know, 
it is really tight and this tension is really, really old. This is not from the birth, from birthing this child. This has been there for a long time. And um, I felt really different after I received the massage because she released all these muscles that I didn't even know had been holding. Walking felt different, breathing felt different. Mentally, I felt different. Um, but that got me, you know, thinking, I started thinking like back, you know, to my past and wondering when this started. And, and, um, and actually one of the exercises that we do in the healing of the pelvic floor is to write the history of the pelvic floor. Mm. So I went back and I remembered, the main thing I remembered is I had a really big fall in my twenties where I fell down a waterfall and I hit my pelvis against the rock and rotated my pelvis and, um, was in low back, was in pain for the next seven years, which is actually what got me into yoga because I, it was the only thing that helped me feel better. Um, but then I started to think way back and I just remembered like when I was 16 and I had a lot of um, anal itching, right? And so I, I was like, mom, there's something wrong with me. I don't know what it is. So she took me to the doctor and I went to the doctor and um, the doctor examined me and said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you're fine. You know, and I was like, okay. And, you know, just thinking back to like early um, sexual experiences I had had, and that's kind of when this anal itching started. And like, I just started to really question what the heck is in these muscles and these yeah. tissues. Yeah. Um, and so it really just opened up like Pandora's box for me. You know, a lot of stuff was revealed. And, uh, I signed up to do a week-long pelvic floor yoga teacher training with Leslie Howard, who has a book about the pelvic floor called Pelvic Liberation, and is kind of a pioneer in the yogic field with this work. So I spent a week with her in New York City, and I did my, I got my certification to be a pelvic floor yoga teacher, um, which was amazing. I learned so much, uh, and from then on, I've been working both privately with people and in groups with people, um, you know, to create more healing and understanding around the pelvic floor. Um, yeah, it's part of the journey of healing. Yeah, well, I, I love, um, you know, the the image or the metaphor of Pandora's box, right? Because there are these these moments in our lives that we have no idea <laughs> that they're going to like just take us, right? Like we think we're going straight and we're like, oh, actually I'm going to come over here. Um, and then when we allow that, what else opens, right? So um, I think so many people, we, you know, we think we have a pretty good understanding of our body, um, but there's so much, you know, even working with biofield tuning, there's so much unconscious blockages that we hold in our bodies that, um, as we're busy surviving, you know, and, and working and parenting and all of these things, um, we don't really stop to think about. Um, so Emily, I'm wondering because, because you have gone down, right. This, this rabbit hole and you're, you're pretty deeply in it now, if you could just kind of give us a, a pelvic floor 101, like what is it? why work with it, um, both physically, but also energetically, or even thinking about the chakras, right? Like what is going on in this, um, arena, um, and what would lead people to want to do some, some work in this area? How would we know? Yeah. 
Well, I love what you say about the unconscious, and I always think it's interesting if you do study what's called mula bandha in yogic technique, which is actually um, a contraction of the pelvic floor or lifting of the first chakra, the muladhara chakra, an energetic lift. One of the things that mula bandha does is it brings up things from the unconscious and brings them into our conscious awareness. So when we're working with this area, even from the yogic perspective, we're really working with the unconscious, right? Um, physically, it's three layers of muscle that attach from sitting bone, sitting bone, pubis bone to tailbone. And it's literally um, what holds our pelvic organs. So the, these three layers, the sheath of muscle and the innermost muscle is actually a diaphragm, which is meant to move when we breathe. Mm. Uh, and then sitting on top of this layer, these uh, layers of muscle is, you know, the either the prostate or the uterus in the center, the bladder in the front and the rectum in the back. So it's kind of the carriage for these, these pelvic organs. And one of the reasons it's really helpful to work with it is that when that pelvic diaphragm, that innermost layer of muscle is oriented and moving, you know, all the layers work together. And when that's moving, when we're breathing, we're massaging and nurturing all of our pelvic organs. So anything dealing with, you know, prostate issues, bladder issues, um, digestive issues, it, all of it benefits from having a healthy working pelvic floor. Mm. I'm thinking of so many things as you're, um, as you're talking about that, in, including that so many people just don't have any awareness of how to breathe, right? So sometimes in my sessions, I, I feel like that's where we really start is just learning how to breathe and to relax the lower belly, right? And, and um, you know, especially, um, you know, feminine identifying people, like there's so much taught about like, you know, suck in the belly, take up as little room as possible, right? So uh, the idea of softening the belly and, and taking up more space um, can feel pretty unnerving, if not life-changing for people, right? When they kind of go in and do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember this was again in my twenties, like, and I, I was doing yoga for a few years and and I started to learn how to breathe, you know, how to use my diaphragm, which, you know, um, needed my belly to move. And I used to get really bad headaches. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I realized that, you know, my pants were too tight. Yeah. My <laughs> jeans were too tight. And so I said, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> right. And I stopped wearing the too tight jeans and my headaches went away. You know, like literally, I was literally constricting my ability to breathe to my own detriment. Yeah, I don't wear jeans anymore. I wear all special <laughs> things all the time. Only jeans up top, I guess, up top. <laughs> yeah, so, so Emily, I mean, something that we do say in yoga a lot is how, you know, the issues are in our tissues, right? So mm -hmm. we, we say it, right? And it's something that we kind of have an awareness of, um, but but I'm really struck by, and I love when you say like, you know, I thought I knew everything there was to know about the pelvic floor, like how many layers there can be here. Um, and so I'm wondering what you find, um, what kind of issues and traumas even can manifest in, um, can manifest in the pelvic floor. Um, and I'm also thinking when you're talking about how the pelvic floor holds the, um, 
you know, the uterus, the prostate, um, how much trauma can be stored in the reproductive organs, right? So what are some of the um, energetic issues or patterns that you find when working with people? Can you hear me, Emily? Yes, I can hear you now. It got a little broken up. Yeah. Okay. So I was just wondering um, what kind of issues and traumas you find like in the pelvic floor, not just physically, but also energetically. Um, and just thinking how, um, you know, if the pelvic floor is what is holding the reproductive organs, right, the uterus and the prostate, um, if there's anything that's also connected to these, uh, to the reproductive organs. Yeah, I mean, there's so much energy. Uh, physically, you know, it's really interesting. Um, like I mentioned, you know, anal itching, which is not something people love to talk about, but like yeah. that can be due to pelvic floor tightness. It's ah, a good thing to okay. know. I mean, hemorrhoids can be due to pelvic floor tightness. Um, some of the more known things are um, like uh, when you can't hold in your urine. I know that has a name, which I can't remember. And, um, or, but also if you have to um, empty your bladder a lot, many, many times a day, that's a sign of, of tension in the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. um, so those are directly related to the organs. Um, menstrual pain can be connected to the health of the pelvic floor. Uh, um, anxiety, headaches, uh, TMJ, jaw tension, mm -hmm. low back pain, hip pain, um, all of that can be connected to the health of the pelvic floor. So those are physical, um, energetically or emotionally, definitely anxiety. I mean, in the yogic philosophy, anxiety is too much energy in the head, right? And if there's too much energy in the head, I think of it as almost like you have a water balloon and you're squeezing the bottom of it. It's so tight in the bottom that all, all the energy is getting pushed up and then your mind can't stop moving. So when you release this and let the energy move down into the pelvis, it has a very calming effect for the nervous system. Um, so it can help with anxiety. Um, and then energetically, yeah, I mean, first and second chakra, um, our ability to feel grounded, to feel rooted, to feel connected, our sense of stability, um, all of that is, is connected to the pelvic region. So I'm wondering when people come to work with you with the pelvic floor, do they know that they're going to work on the pelvic floor or do you start working with people and then it becomes apparent that, that this is the, the kind of the avenue to, to go towards? Yeah, it goes both ways. Sometimes, often I have referrals from the pelvic floor PT who will send people to me um, to teach them how to breathe and to teach them yoga poses to help with the health of the pelvic floor. But also oftentimes, you know, it will come up and, and actually oftentimes it happens when we're starting and we're learning how to breathe. And I can realize that there's not breath moving into the pelvis. And so we start working with breathing into the pelvis and then we, you know, we'll start to notice if there's tension there, how we work with it. And sometimes people are like, oh, I remember when I had that fall when I was six years old, you know, and literally this holding has been happening since they were six years old. And this could be someone who's in their forties now. Um, and sometimes it's, it's one of those things where they had completely forgotten about the incident 
that it ever happened. And then when we start to go in there and they realize there's this holding, it's like, oh yeah. Um, so it, it happens both ways. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense with me. Um, when I when I work with tuning forks, um, it's often we're going back to very early ages. Um, and I even know in my in my personal healing journey, you know, like I had the big the big T traumas that I thought like when I was doing my healing work, like this is what I need to work on. But it ended up being like these very small things that like we're still needing attention and healing, you know, um, just from younger years that, that I minimized, I didn't identify as trauma, right. Whether, whether it was emotional or that the physical impact on the body talking, right. Fall. And of course it's going to be stored in the body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, so I'm wondering, um, I mean, I imagine that when you were talking about doing the internal massage, that this can be a life changing experience for people. And I'm wondering if there's any um, uh, fear, right? Or even like physical blockages that will come up when working with the pelvic floor, because we can consciously want to heal. <laughs> but then when we're going into the places that scare us, right, both our bodies, um, you know, and our minds can kind of shut us off from actually doing that work. Do you find that coming up at all when you do this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's always important to go slow, go at your own pace, make sure you have your support system in place. Um, sometimes when people start the internal massage at first, it's a little bit scary. They're, they're not used to the feeling of the tissue and, um, to know that you can reach out and say, this is what I experienced. Is this normal? You know, it can be helpful to have someone there to support you. And I found that that will then encourage people to continue. Whereas without that, they might be like, no, thanks. I'm not going back. Yeah. Um, and then for some people, I think, you know, if we have been holding, it's also a trauma response. One of the first thing that happens when we experience trauma, you know, it's something that overwhelms our system is that the pelvic floor tightens up. It's a physical unconscious response to trauma. And so if we haven't yet released that through our healing work, it's likely still there. And as we begin this process of Un, you know, unpacking that and releasing that, it can feel very vulnerable. There's a reason that we've been holding, we've been holding to protect ourselves and to release that protection. You know, you don't, and you haven't yet figured out where you're going to find that stability or that sense of safety, if that's where it's been, that's certainly a, an emotional process um, that is vulnerable and requires, you know, feeling safe, um, in your environment and in your support system to be able to, to allow for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, we don't have a lot of cultural permission, right. Um, uh, in the U S and in dominant culture, to really be embodied, right? And to have a deep connection with our body, right? Like there's there's a reason um, that yoga studios are so popular, right? In gyms, because there are like these certain sanctioned places where it's, it's deemed safe to go a little bit deeper into your body. Um, when you're talking about, um, you know, anal itching or like finding out these things, right? Like there can be so much fear 
to just talk about the body. I know, you know, like my uh, middle-class white upbringing, like we didn't talk about the body. It was not something we talked about. And making my way to Ayurveda was really, really healing because everything is about digestion, right? And so just, just learning that it was okay to talk about it, right? And to actually share that with people um, and to not have this fear of, um, just talking about these intimate practices of the body. Um, so we are going to take a break in a couple of minutes. Um, and when we come back, um, I'm, I'm wondering if you can share a little more with us about how your relationship to your body has changed through this practice um, and also how your relationship to other bodies has changed through this practice. I know when I made my way to Ayurveda, um, what I had kind of perceived as like quote unquote negative personality characteristics in people, when I started looking through doshically, I was like, oh, they're just out of balance, right? They don't mean to bite my my head off. They, they just have like a pitta imbalance right now. Right. Um, or even personality traits that I thought were bad in myself. I was like, oh no. Right. Like this is just a sign of imbalance and, and I can bring myself back. Um, Emily, before we go to break, I'm wondering if you can, again, just remind listeners how they can find out more about your work. Yeah, I have a couple of websites, laughingriveryoga.com and emilygarrettyoga.com, where I offer one-on-one -on -one sessions and also group classes and workshops and trainings. Awesome. Thank you so much. Please come back. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what this pelvic floor work has taught Emily about the interconnectedness of mind, body, and spirit, um, and how healing the pelvic floor can help us to cultivate more compassionate relationships in our life. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Welcome to Soul Activation Podcast, a world-class broadcast of insight and inspiration with the renowned healer and coach, Suzanne Alexandria. In this series, she dives deep into the magical sea of you, to the place in you that's ready to activate. Tune in live every second and fourth Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Tune in to the show Heart Change Consciousness with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher, as stories of inspired activism come to life. Listening to conversations with your favorite authors, change makers, and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. 
Let's be inspired together through my show, Heart Change Consciousness, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hi, I'm Patricia McNair, host of Divine Guidance with Patricia. And I'm here to help you live a more authentic, spiritually connected life. Join me every first and third Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Being who you are in everyday life is the key to unlocking soul wisdom within that our whole self already knows. Get ready to embrace your spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being, your whole being. Discover your gifts and strengthen your connection to spirit. We will explore earth guidance, divine truth, and love, past life lessons, and so much more. So listen in to Divine Guidance with Patricia and join in your personal adventure to triggering, opening, validating, and being all that you are. For more information about me, visit divineguidance.earth. Hello, welcome back to Heart Change Consciousness. We are here with Emily Garrett today of Laughing River Yoga and Emily Garrett Yoga, um, talking about the work that she does with healing the pelvic floor and how this trauma work can lead us into a deeper relationship with ourselves, with our bodies, um, and ultimately with each other. Um, so Emily, um, before we left, I was talking a little bit about uh, my, when I started working with Ayurvedic doshas um, and how that changed how I was interacting with people, right? So instead of seeing, um, you know, anger or um, kind of spaciness or all these kind of qualities as quote unquote negative qualities, I was able to just look at them and recognize them as um, signs of imbalance. And I'm wondering, um, in your work, working with people with the pelvic floor, um, if this has shifted how you relate to people and, and signs of um, healing um, of the pelvic floor that you recognize. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question. It's, it's not actually something that I necessarily would um, verbalize, but I think what you're saying is really true. Um, I think one of the things that I've, I've fine-tuned my ability to see or maybe look for um, is just the sense of where the energy is in the body. And even though energy is full and it's everywhere, um, just this sense of, of kind of being aware, like the thing about working with, with energy and especially when working with the pelvis is that we want the energy to be flowing through the pelvis and through the low belly. And then we also wanna be able to contain and move that energy, which is really more of the traditional Hatha yoga practitioner. You know? And I think what happens is oftentimes we skip the building or the opening of the energy and just try to force it and move it through muscular mm -hmm. effort. And I think that's what can get missed, missed in a lot of our yang yoga practice or physical exercise. It's like build, strengthen, tighten, um, which we need, right? But we also need to be able to have that suppleness, that soft belly, that spacious pelvis where the breath is flowing and the energy is flowing. And then once the energy is flowing, you can contain and move it. Um, so it becomes a much more um, delicate balance and subtle work in terms of, okay, first the energy is going to flow, then I'm going to lift it and move it. So I definitely, when I'm teaching classes, I can notice um, if the, 
like where there's the ability to soften and release and allow, and then where there's um, the effort and, you know, the effort, this fine tuning of being able to use the diaphragm, access the pelvis and how, and so without that, the energy is up higher, the breath is higher in the chest, the, the throat, you know, the head, there's a lot of movement down here and it can even be show up in actual, like lots of fast physical movements. Um, as opposed to that sort of more grounded sense of energy in the pelvis where there can be a little bit more stillness and fullness. So I think I see that. I see the stillness and the fullness and then also the kind of constant movement, which I guess we could call rajas and tamas. Mm -hmm. And where is there more? Where is that less? Where is that balanced? Where is that imbalanced? And, you know, how it shows up in just the way we communicate and the way we hold space for one another and yeah. um, the way we move which is really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, as you're saying that I'm reflecting on, um, my changing yoga practice and, um, you know, I think a lot of people come to yoga because they're looking for healing, right. And, and whatever kind of layer of the body, um, and when I started, you know, I was all about the Yang classes, right. I had like a lot to work through. Um, and I didn't really understand, I didn't know that I was anxious, right? Or the tension that I was holding in my body or, you know, how um, much of a pitta imbalance I had. Um, and the more I started doing my healing work and meditating and breathing, the slower <laughs> my yoga practice has become, right? And I think sometimes even with my students, they're like, what happened to her? Like she used to like, be doing these yang classes and I'm like, let's just hang out in sphinx pose. This feels really nice. Um, so it's interesting to think about how when we work with the pelvic floor, which, you know, I know you were talking about the, just the vulnerability of it, but for me coming out of that trauma state, and slowing down, like I'm just perpetually surprised at how much earth I have in my constitution. And I feel like I'm relearning myself, right? Like, oh, right? Like, you know, all of these aspects you thought were you, this was really your trauma running the show. And that trauma was really manifesting in tension in the body, right? Just that, that tightness. Yeah. So I guess I'm wondering, um, from you doing your healing work with the pelvic floor, um, if you've noticed shifts in your life and, and how you feel in your body and in your speech patterns, your relationships, like what has this looked like for you? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, early on, I remember I wrote a blog blog post and I think it was titled something, how uh, pelvic floor yoga helped me to stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's apt. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I would react. I mean, I still do, but just kind of this, which is, you know, I've learned is a trauma response, this, this reactive rage um, state that can happen. We get triggered and we just start, we can't, you know, we react and we yell. And, and of course this would happen to me in my most intimate relationships. Um, and so, you know, and I think what was happening again is, yeah, there's just like all this tightness, this tension inside and just the littlest thing set it off, you know? Um, so learning how to um, take time. I mean, one of the things about it is that I have to take time by myself for myself to make sure my pelvic diaphragm is moving. And so if that means that 
I have, I take 10 minutes every afternoon, which I usually do and lie down and put my legs up on a chair on my bed and just breathe and get my main diaphragm, my pelvic diaphragm moving. Um, that's become a habit that then keeps me more grounded and centered, you know, through the rest of the day. So I'm less likely to lose my temper. I'm less reactive with my children. Um, and so that's a big piece of it is, is kind of managing that fight or flight response. Like, as you mentioned, um, by having, uh, practices to, to balance my nervous system. And then, um, the other thing that happened after I had my, did the pelvic floor the week long is, um, I, I noticed a lot of desire come back. You know, I think I had been pretty cut off from my desire having, it is really so um, interesting how, you know, choosing to have children comes from this place sometimes often of like love and desire and then having children sort of just puts a real wedge in that desire. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, who's going to get up and feed the baby? Um, so, so having, you know, when I did the training, my youngest was two years old and, um, I was able to come back and just feel more desire and have appreciate more intimacy in my romantic relationship. Um, and I think that's actually stayed <clears throat> just like having them and, and also recognizing, and this is part of the real healing work I think is that before really doing this work, I never really thought as my pelvic floor, um, you know, my vagina, my sex organs as like being mine you know in some ways like these were um useful for others yeah and so starting to do the internal massage on a more regular basis and the breathing and the um real conscious cultivation of energy into the pelvis and into the floor even understanding the muscular patterns that are in my own body which is something I never knew before it's really helped me to claim um, claim this area as a part of my whole body where I think it's very common that we're a little disconnected yeah yeah, yeah. well I'm thinking about um, you know because I do somatic coaching work and I find that the the pain bodies, right, are often between the sacral and the solar plexus, which is just like all of this undigested emotion, but also inherited trauma. So intergenerational trauma, right? Like it, it's in the reproductive organs. Um, and so it's fascinating to me that the sacral chakra, like which is about intimacy and desire is also this place for so much pain, right? And mm -hmm. so it becomes this thing where like, we have to be able to, to work and sit with a pain and kind of ask like, what is the trauma? Like, what am I, um, you know, what am I being asked to look at and process in order to get that energy flow back, right? Because it's, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just sex. It's, it's just like the juice of life and it's, it's where we manifest from and create from. Um, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm even thinking, um, Emily and I just full disclosure, we just did a workshop on waking up to whiteness at laughing river yoga. And we were talking about white supremacist culture and, and how it, it cuts white folks off from our own bodies. Right. Um, and how much fear there can be to go into your body and find this trauma to unearth 
this trauma because like, what are you going to find out about yourself? Right. Um, but how, um, you know, the work that you're doing, you know, taking 10 minutes a day to go deeper into your body and, and to really recognize what's there. Um, I'm wondering what would happen with more cultural permission to mm-hmm. do this work, right? Instead of just kind of looking around and um, noticing how other people are showing up to be able to come back into our bodies and be like, okay, what's what's happening for me right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. I mean, it's pretty powerful now at this point, when I do the internal massage, I know exactly where my really tight spots are and I can release them. And when you release them, the blood starts to flow, the, there's more warmth. So it's, it's just like you're talking about in the sense that those like cut off hard you know, places, we wanna get the blood flowing and moving back into them, whether it's a muscle or an energetic place or um, an emotional place. And it's, it's really powerful when we start to cultivate those tools to realize, oh, well, if I spend a little bit of time with myself, with these tools, I can actually do this. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I just, I love when you're talking about feeling, you know, like feeling disconnected from your body. Like this is like this thing that I'm kind of in it, but it's not really mine and coming into that place of sovereignty and, and um, yeah, just how empowering it can be to figure out how your body works, right? It's like, we're a puzzle and we have like, you know, all of these different layers of the puzzle, but the physical body is a really important piece of that puzzle that creates the foundation and then the pelvic floor is, is literally, right, it's the root chakra, which is the foundation for um, just the ability to feel safe, right, and have our needs met. Yeah. So, Emily, I'm thinking um, when we were talking a little bit about what we might talk about today, uh, as we were talking about the pelvic floor, in our, in our discussion, I was suddenly like, am I clenching my pelvic floor? What is happening in my pelvic floor right now? And how would I know, right? And it spun me out a little bit. Um, and so I'm wondering if <laughs> if you could share with us um, any tips for working with your pelvic floor or how to start shifting um, awareness to notice what's going on in the pelvic floor and, and any other kind of information that you think might be beneficial for people to know. Yeah. Um. Well, it's funny because I'm constantly checking and making sure I'm breathing into my pelvis. You know, it's become a habit of mine. Um, so even throughout this conversation, I'm, I'm checking and, and, and aware of that. Um, Me okay. too. I have been. <laughs> All right, Trish. <laughs> Doing it together. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the best way to start is to learn how to breathe into the pelvis. And once you start to breathe into the pelvis, then you can start to notice when you're not breathing into the pelvis and when you're clenching and gripping. And then you have choice around that. You can choose to soften and relax and allow the pelvis to breathe. Uh, and so th- some things that are, are simpler, you know, uh, cues that we can think about is that as you inhale, Um, The pelvic floor opens and widens, and as you exhale, it closes and narrows. So in yoga class, we'll often cue, like, as you inhale, feel your sitting bones widen, and as you exhale, feel them narrow. Or you can imagine your pelvis like a, a parachute, you know, that's pointing downwards, and as you inhale, the parachute of the pelvis opens, and as you exhale, it closes. 
And if you do that in a pose, like child's pose, where you're naturally opening the pelvis, um, you can really start to feel the movement of the pelvic diaphragm. So it's a retraining, really, just like where you're sending your attention and um, yeah, maybe I think those visuals can be helpful for people too to, to imagine what this looks like. Yeah, and it, I think the main diaphragm is something we talk about more. The pelvic diaphragm isn't always talked about, but it works with the main diaphragm. So it's really, yeah, just moving your attention lower than the lower belly, going all the way down to the root of the spine mm -hmm. when you breathe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you were saying a little bit about um, how to know, like when your um, pelvic floor is open. Oops. <clears throat> I lost you. Okay, go ahead. You were just saying before that when you go to urinate, you can tell if your pelvic floor is healthy. Yeah. So I also didn't mention if, if the pelvic floor is too loose, there's things like prolapse where your uterus will, or your bladder or your rectum can actually start to um, fall out. That's prolapse. So if that's the case, we need more strengthening in the pelvic floor to help hold things up. Um, but one thing to know, which is, is just so common, and so I like to share this with people, is that if you are emptying your bladder and you count the length of your stream, if it's less than 10, your bladder wasn't actually full and you didn't actually need to empty your bladder. And so part of the training is to actually, if that's the case, wait a little bit longer and train your bladder to fill up before you empty it. And often that's connected with a, a tight pelvic floor. There are diff different symptoms connected with tight, loose, and healthy. And so if it's, um, if it's tight, then just holding off, does that help to build the muscle? Does that strengthen it? Yeah, it gives, well, it's kind of like if the muscles of the pelvic floor are really tight, they're squeezing on the bladder. And so the bladder doesn't have as much room to fill up. Right. And so you might actually feel like you have to empty your bladder. Sometimes it's simply training where if, if you um, were pregnant, you know, you're, there wasn't a lot of room for the bladder. So it can be just a habit that you got into or a habit of if you live in a city and you know you need to empty your you know, bladder before you go out because you're not going to be near a restroom. Uh, so there's the habitual thing. But yes, also the musc muscles, we're, we're training the bladder to fill, 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 fill with more space in the muscles. There's more room for that to happen. But also as it fills more, it will stretch the muscles a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, well, when you were talking about um, uh, prolapse, I was thinking um, in biofield tuning, we find that um, issues with the rectum are really connected to an inner critic. So a strong inner critic, um, or just like you should be doing things this way. You shouldn't be doing things that way, which again, if we're thinking like there's so much constriction, right? It's, um, it's like this, uh, internalized yang energy that becomes directed at the self. Um, and so I liked earlier, you said something about, um, just allowing, right? It feels like so much of this work you were talking about um, in some of the more yang practices or working with Mula Bunda, it's about, um, you know, intentionally, consciously moving the energy, but not just allowing, 
right? And mm-hmm. and that that spaciousness. Um, and I'm just thinking that that's also kind of a metaphor for our culture, <laughs> right? Of like having to like, you know, do something with it instead of just being in the state of allowing and spaciousness and seeing and how that can be part of the practice. Um, Emily, I know that, that you're also a meditator. And so I'm wondering if um, yeah. your meditation practice also informs your work with, with the pelvic floor. I mean, yeah, most definitely. I, I, um, I mean, one thing also that's really helpful is posture. So when I um, sit in meditation practice, I generally do sit up. And I found that that practice of sitting upright and, and sitting really aligned on the pelvic floor, um, it does allow that, you know, the integrity of the spine, it, it's more healthy in the pelvic floor when I'm sitting upright, it's training my body to sit upright and then be with and everything that arises, you know, whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, the emotions that arise, the thoughts that arise, I'm, I'm simply going to sit there and be with it. So there's a certain sense of alertness and integrity and, you know, dignity to the posture, but there's also this huge amount of space of simply allowing and, it's like standing tall and allowing this all to move through me. And you know, one of the things that actually really tightens up the rectum is sitting on the tailbone. So when we're sitting back on our tailbone, mm. kind of slump asana, it puts a lot of pressure and tension in the rectum. And it's, it's that fear response, like a cat sitting on its tail. So Le- Leslie Howard, she always talks about liberating the tailbone or she says, we're a culture of mother tuckers. <laughs> which is so true, you know, and, you know, I think 80% of the U S is constipated, you know, so all of that tension in the rectum. So, so posture, which meditation helps with, and, and yes, that piece of, I can stand tall amidst, you know, whatever it is that, that is arising and, and be with it. Right. But not have to hide from it. Right. Yeah. So yes. And so much is integrated in our meditation practice as well. Yeah. And I'm actually reflecting when you're talking about the tailbone, that's how I came to yoga. I was having like, like so much, um, low, low back pain, like around the tailbone area, just from, um, well, I'm a nerd. I was reading too many books. I was reading all the time. And so that's what brought me right. And, and everything else was just kind of like, I had no idea what yoga would open for me. I just didn't want to have pain anymore. Um, but then it it did teach me how to breathe, which then allowed me to, um, you know, come back to myself. And, and when I came back again, after leaving, it was after having my daughter, which, um, you know, does wreak havoc on your body. You know, it, it really brings things out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Emily, we're, we're coming near the top, the end of our time together. So I'm wondering if you can just let listeners know one more time, um, just how they can find you, um, maybe more a little bit about like how you work with people one-on-one, um, and then anything else you want to leave our listeners with today. Sure. Yeah. So um, you can find me laughingriveryoga.com. Our Instagram handle is at laughingriveryoga and also emilygarrettyoga.com. And I teach classes, trainings, workshops, intensives. Um, one-on-one with people, I actually have developed three and six-month 
programs and my three-month program, I have one specifically designed for working with the pelvic floor, which is called Uncoil the Serpent. And it's uh, the journey through um, all that arises, you know, using yoga techniques, breathing, um, storytelling, you know, history, um, all of that dialogue um, to, to work through and heal the, you know, physical, emotional, mental, and energetic um, landscape of the pelvic floor and the pelvis. <clears throat> and uh, I think that's, you know, what I love so much is this idea of just reclaiming our bodies as um, our own and, and not in a selfish, you know, um, protective way, but really in an embodied full way in the sense that wow, like I live in this body and I can choose to actually live in this body and fill it with, you know, what I want to fill it with and make choices around how I relate to it. And I, I do feel if, if we all have more tools around how to do this, we will have a much healthier community. It's easier to have conversations with others when I can feel grounded and present in my body, you know, and be less reactive, I can listen better. Um, and I can express myself more from an authentic place. So that would be my hope for all of us is to, you know, allow that embodiment that intelligence to, to connect more authentically with one another. Yeah, that, um, that nourishment, right, that we're worthy of nourishment, and we're, mm -hmm. we're worthy of our own attention and care, right, which yeah. This capitalist society does not does not tell us or reflect back to us. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's so much what I think about, just that that inner flows outer. So um, <laughs> when you were talking about constipation, you know, if if most of the, the country is constipated all the time, that's not a really comfortable place to be in, you know? So to be able to, you know, take care of your needs and um, give yourself permission to do that work and know that you're worthy to do it, of course, that comes out in our relationships. Because when our own needs are met, right, of course, we want everyone else's needs to be met too. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Emily, for coming on and talking with us today. Um, thank you all for tuning in to Heart Change Consciousness. Um, and I'll be with you next month. Thank you for tuning in to Heart Change Consciousness on TransformationTalkRadio.com with me, Dr. Trish DeRocher. Make sure to come back next time so we can continue to awaken your soul purpose. Look forward to more conversations with your favorite authors, changemakers, influencers, activists, and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength. For more information about me and transformative consciousness coaching, visit transformativeconsciousness.com. That's transformativeconsciousness.com. This was Heart Change Consciousness on TransformationTalkRadio.com.